Welcome to Lesson Impossible, an exploration of educational innovation. I'm your host, Aviva Levin. As always, I'm chatting with educators of all types who are on the forefront of pedagogy or making effective changes to old practices. Your lesson, should you choose to accept it, is to consider a new resource. Hashtag clear the list, a global movement to help teachers buy supplies for their classrooms. The resource specialist assigned to help you with this task is Courtney Jones from Denver, Colorado. Welcome to another installment of the Meet the Resources series, where I feature the educational equivalent of gecko gloves, smart contacts, or flute guns. Technology that has been created to make your impossible lessons actually possible. A reminder that Lesson Impossible receives no compensation for featuring resources, just the satisfaction of knowing that somewhere a student might be more engaged in their learning, or a teacher might be able to leave work a little bit earlier. Before we begin, I wanted to let you know that as many school years are coming to an end, so is Lesson Impossible's second season. I will be taking a break in July while I begin my master's in French language education, and we'll be back in August with some episodes I'm really excited about, such as homeschooling partnerships, gradeless assessment, and trauma-informed teaching. However, for our last episode, I wanted to reflect back on some of the wisdom Lesson Impossible's special agents have shared. Therefore, next week I'll be doing a recap of some of my favorite quotes from the guests who have inspired us since January, which I hope will re-inspire us as we look towards a new school year. As for this episode, I'm admittedly a bit late in meeting the resource that is hashtag clear the list. It wasn't until my conversation with Mandy Yom in episode 24, who connected me to Courtney, that I began to notice that hashtag in every other Twitter profile that I saw. In fact, a quick search on Twitter of hashtag clear the list brought up hundreds of tweets from just today. The request ranged from $3.50 for a set of index cards, to $50 for a USB camera, to hundreds of dollars to help a teacher who literally lost her entire classroom in a tornado. There are also some posts paired with tags such as hashtag Black Lives Matter or hashtag anti-racist educator that are specifically geared towards asking for resources that are more inclusive of Black students, such as requests for adding books with Black protagonists for classroom libraries, or buying palettes that allow young artists to paint all skin tones. As you'll soon hear, the many thousands of Clear the List tweets started with one woman, Courtney Jones, who spoke to me in May over Zencaster. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. If you don't mind doing a quick introduction for the listeners, who you are, what you do, that'd be lovely. Yeah, of course. So um, my name is Courtney Jones, and I am a fourth grade math and science teacher, and I also teach third through fifth um, gifted and talented in Texas. I recently just moved to Denver, Colorado, which is um, really exciting. It it came really quickly. But yeah, I I created and founded the Clear the List Foundation, which is the evolution from the Clear the List movement. And we just seek to uh, partner corporations, individuals, um, and organizations with teachers who um, are needing supplies for their classroom. Um, and we also do some like professional development work for teachers to, to try to get them um, just the resources and the tools that they need. I definitely noticed 
clear the list hashtags coming up. And I really wasn't sure what it was. And I followed it through and kind of got an idea of what it was. But if you don't mind maybe talking about where the idea came from and then what it actually means to clear the list. Yeah, of course. So um, it started last July in 2019. I created um, just a private Facebook group for teachers that were like kind of gearing up to go back to school. Really, I was going to Walmart to to go and buy supplies and I was kind of frustrated by it. So I was like, there's got to be a better way. And um, so I had used an Amazon wish list for the last few years since I started teaching um, and my family and friends supported it. And so I was just like, hey, like, let's gift each other um, as educators. And we're still spending money, but at least it, it makes us feel good to um, pay it forward and, and kind of send sweet messages just to be like, um, like a support group. And so it started um, the first week of July. And within three weeks, it blew up to over 30,000 members, um, 30,000 educators, and I was like, okay, well, this is not just a fun little pay it forward back to school, you know, initiative. There's some real issues here. And so I started to kind of dig deep and understand that, um, especially here in the States, but even globally, that there is just a real lack of budgeting allocations for school supplies for classrooms. Um, I think here in the U.S., uh, the average spent out of pocket by an educator is about 470 bucks, which is definitely on the low end just from everything that I've gathered over the last year. So anyway, so three weeks in, we uh, had over 30,000 members. And for those teachers that were following along, they knew that I just kept evolving and innovating as uh, time went on because our needs kept changing, our messaging kept changing. And um, so I said, okay, guys, let's go to Twitter because we obviously have an issue here. We need to raise awareness and we need to do it in a way that's positive. And so on a certain day, we said, we're going to go to Twitter on this day. And um, there was thousands of responses saying that they would meet us on Twitter, teachers who had never been on Twitter before. I wasn't on Twitter before. We ended up going viral for four days straight. We were trending um, with a couple of different hashtags, actually. Clear the list, support a teacher. Um, and I think there was another one that was trending with it. And so it, it never started as clear the list. It started as support a teacher. And um, we've, we've held on to that, but um, Clear the List came whenever we had someone have uh, a celebrity actually buy all the items on the list. And so it was like, oh my gosh, you know, like Clear the List. It just came up. It, it has like a dual meaning. Um, it's not just about resources, but Clear the List is about one, we have to recognize that our lists as educators are never going to be cleared. We're always going to add new books and new resources because we're always wanting to bring just the best tools to the table for our kids, right? So, you know, some people get confused. They're like, how, how do you clear a list and then you're done? And I'm like, well, you don't. It's just, a, it's just a fun way of kind of going about it and just saying, even if you can help me clear one item from my list, you're impacting at least 20 students that are sitting in my classroom, and then it, it could just spiral from there, right? So so we went to Twitter, we went viral. And then from there on, I did um, over 180 press interviews last summer. 
Um, we had over like 70 or 80 celebrities join in in organizations and companies, and, and it just really blew up. And it was really inspiring. And so we all kind of um, put our heads together and we were like, how do we sustain this moving forward, right? So it's easy to get attention on back to school time for teachers and for students to get supplies, but how do we sustain this throughout the year? And we, we've we just organically um, created times throughout the year where we would try to just push the initiative even more. But every single day, there's teachers advocating for their students. So all of the educators have really just taken hold of this advocation and the empowerment that they have to change their classrooms by just reaching out and asking for help. And there's been just an overwhelming outpouring of support and assistance. And so it became very challenging whenever um, COVID hit because we didn't know what supplies we needed. We didn't even know what we were teaching. And so it really turned into this really beautiful support group, even more than it already was, because we we had built relationships that um, were sustainable because we had been providing resources and websites and books and sending each other gifts for so long that we were able to trust each other and rely upon that whenever COVID hit. And so we were able to really kind of band together um, as a movement and as a community to just continue this outpouring. And um, one day, it was, I think it was the first week that it kind of all went down. It was um, the, like the last week of March, I think, when everybody was shutting down and everything. Our Clear the List hashtag had comparable analytics to when we were viral back in July. And so gearing up for this back to school season, we're working with a bunch of organizations already for that they've pledged dollars to help clear list um, coming up through the foundation. So that's really exciting because we just get to keep evolving and keep making better and greater change. And is there a criteria of who can put out a list? Like, do you need to be a Title I school or is it any teacher that's spending their own dollars and would like some financial help uh, in, in buying what they need? Honestly, I never had intentions of evolving it to um, uh, an actual like foundation. I, I never knew that it would need to become that, but um, it, it definitely is a need. And so I have always said that this movement is inclusive of everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a private teacher, you're a public teacher. We all have to remove our politics from it, right? And we have to understand that Teachers are humans and they all have their own beliefs and, and politics and all of those things. But the core issue that we're solving here is getting students the supplies that they need. Why, why should we limit it to a private school or to a public school who may have different resources and allocations? So to answer your question, you have to be an educator to, to be in the movement and for at least me to directly support it and, and kind of for the teachers to kind of get behind you. But obviously, wish lists can be used for anything. But um, in the clear the list case, it is for educators. With the foundation, when we're um, accepting applications from um, educators, depending on the program, there will be different criteria. We may do some particular Title I work. We may do um, just public. We may do just private at times. But for a general grant application and for, you know, our mission and our purpose, we want to be as inclusive as possible to allow students to just have the resources that they need and have that enhanced learning experience. 
In my experience, when I uh, was working, I remember once there were some severe budget cuts and our union rep sat us all down and was telling us, you know, don't go out to fill those gaps. You know, if you're running out of poster paper, don't go to, you know, your local staples and get more poster paper. Tell the kids, I don't have poster paper because there's been budget cuts. Go home, tell your parents, tell your parents to phone the school or the district. And it was kind of this larger idea of why are we as teachers always putting band-aids on a system that's broken when, you know, there needs to be government and districts and all of these other uh, organizations to really fill in, in that gap. And that's not to criticize your movement at all. I'm just wondering, like, how does Clear the List fit into that larger idea of advocating for change if we as teachers just keep sending our own money, whether it's to our own classroom or someone else's classroom? Right. 100%. So from, from the beginning of whenever I realized this was an issue, like three weeks in, I, I've always tried to try to empower teachers to go to school board meetings, reach out to just how to get involved and what, what does a budget mean? Where does look to look at your individual district's um, budget allocations? Just ask, you know, go to your principals and ask for resources, ask for things. The whole thing really isn't about putting a Band-Aid on it. And I do see where that where you can see that perspective. And I agree to an extent that we are somewhat putting a Band-Aid on it. But how easy is it going to be for me or for any teacher to go to a school board meeting and create change? And, and ask for things to be changed. And um, a lot of times with government and w- with all that red tape, it can be difficult. And so I, I try to do things where I'm advocating for both at the same time. For the foundation, we're building resources that teach educators how to go into their communities and, and talk about these issues and how to go to a school board meeting and talk about these issues. And it may even be like writing your state rep or whatever that looks like. And so I think that in order to really solve the problem, we have to attack it from both sides, right? We can't just rely on going to these meetings and just hoping that they they hear us or hoping that they can make a difference. Sometimes they don't have the money to allocate. And, th- and that's understanding. Like right now, we're seeing insane budget cuts because of COVID. And so we're, we're unable to even see that money in a lot of situations. And so I think to really attack the problem, we have to go at it from both sides. We have to, one, advocate for our needs and sometimes buy the supplies that we need for ourselves or someone else um, and then rely on the nonprofit sector and and the private sector to really bolster education when they're not able to do what we need them to do for our kids. Yeah. And I think even just the fact that those lists are out there are a tool of advocacy because people are being drawn to the fact that teachers are having to fund things as simple as crayons in their classroom. I think for a lot of people, they figured that an Amazon wish list would probably involve, you know, an iPad or a smart board or, you know, a puppet theater. And just the reality of the simple things on those lists, I think, are really driving home that need for change. Yes, 100 percent. Back in August, uh, we had some celebrities get involved who did some like, um, I think it was Twitter Live or Snapchat or something. And they were saying, oh, my gosh, I never even realized that teachers have to buy pencils for their classroom. Like, how ridiculous is that? And so 
that individual um, donated 25000 to a GoFundMe that uh, another celebrity had set up to help clear lists as well. And so we were all just trying to attack it from every way that we could. But that's exactly why we went to Twitter with it and why I told the teachers in the Facebook group that we needed to go to Twitter because we needed the public to understand the issues that we face in and it's not just an Amazon wish list. Um, that is obviously what gets used most because I think that's just what's easiest right now. But people have like Barnes and Noble registries, Target registries, donors choose. That's also a part of Clear the List. And then now I we we've evolved. We have the Clear the List Foundation, but we also have a Clear the List fundraising tool now. And so schools will have the ability. We're doing like some private onboarding right now, but. Schools will have the ability to create school stores that allow them to showcase the products and the the supplies and the wish lists of their teachers' needs. And for every transaction made on those sites, the the tech company that actually powers the Clear the List stores and wish lists has um, agreed to split their commissions, any of their profits from those transactions, 50-50 with the school affiliated with the school store and wish list. So that could be anywhere from like four to 20% back to the school just for advocating for their needs. And so we're really trying to like target um, the local initiative and really bring change at a local level. Right now we have global attention, which is fantastic, but we, we, to create real change, we have to go to, to the smallest level, right? To, to the local level. And so I always say that clear the list is so much more than an Amazon wish list. It it's any tool that an educator can use to their advantage to get resources for their classroom, to have support, and to feel like they're in like a community of educators that understand the pain that we all go through. And so you mentioned that number of was it four hundred dollars US? Yeah, about four seventy um, on average, four hundred seventy dollars on average in the US. In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure that average comes from the high school teachers that maybe spend like one to 200 and then the elementary school teachers that are spending like $1,000. It really is so varying. I don't know how like different um, grade levels break it down, but one, I think that that number is probably pretty low. That's from a few years ago. I've done a few polls, clearly anecdotal, not um, randomly sampled or anything, but I, I think the average is a lot higher than that. Um, and it may even be that we just don't report it as much because there's a little bit of shame that goes with that too, right? If you're having to put school supplies on a credit card, I mean, you don't want to just tell everybody your business, right? I mean, but but that's the situation. That's, that's the sad state of affairs for educators here in the U.S. I saw last week there's credit unions that um, have supply loans with 5% interest rates that they have. And I'm like, oh gosh, like we're, we're down a rabbit hole, you know? Yeah. I remember talking to um, a female colleague and she was saying that you know, there's the stereotype of the woman that sneaks the shoes and hides them in the closet because she doesn't want her husband to know that she's been buying more shoes. But she says that what she hides are all the supplies that she buys that are students. And, you know, because her husband gets upset at how much they're, they're funding her classroom. It's one of those things where I think, too, an amazing thing about your movement is that we've actually started 
questioning that that the status quo. It used to be like, yeah, of course, you're a teacher, so you go and buy these things before the beginning of the year, obviously. And now we're starting to, I think, maybe think a little bit more critically about really, should we do that? (laughs) Right. No, 100%. And I think that what's really cool about the movement is that teachers are able to tailor their their list or their stores or whatever it is that they have to their specific needs. So one school may need paper and pencils for back to school. One school may need an iPad, you know, And, and so they're able to tailor that to what they need. But I completely agree that we're starting to question and what was really cool at the beginning of the movement, right at back to school season, there were a bunch of teachers in the movement whose districts caught on. And I don't know if it was because they were frustrated by the movement or what, but they, they were, or inspired either way, but um, they were taking their teachers on shopping sprees at Walmart for school supplies and going to Michael's or wherever they could take them or sending them a hundred dollar check and just saying, we appreciate you. And I was like, Hey, like, you know, it's, it's small, but it's working, you know, and hopefully we create at least some, we, hopefully we've planted a seed, right. Of doubt to where we do question that even more, but it's really funny you say that about hiding supplies because a lot of people, a lot of teachers in the movement will always say like, and it, because it is in that like pay it forward manner, they'll say, well, I'm not harboring supplies. Like they're getting it in the mail, right. From other teachers, but so they were like, I, I'm just hiding my Amazon purchase history from my husband or from my wife or whoever, because I I just don't want them to know. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> so if I am a teacher who's listening and can identify needs that I have in my classroom, and I'd like to join in the movement, how would I go about doing so? Yeah, so the first thing first is to find a resource that or a tool that helps you fundraise whether that's an Amazon wish list some sort of registry a donors choose project and then really soon hopefully in the next week or two um, you can create clear the list wish list um, you can go ahead and take a look there clear the list dot tree three the number three dot com that's that's where you would go to sign up to create a store wish list and Honestly, you just join in. You just use our hashtag, clear the list. You can tag me at support a teach um, in tweets or Instagram. We have Facebook groups that are um, supportive. We have global group and then we have U.S. regional groups. And then we have our foundational website, which here, um, you know, coming up in the next few months, we're going to be releasing grant programs. But our website is live and our donation portal is live. So uh, that website is clearthelistfoundation.org. And you can kind of sign up there to just stay up to date with news and grant opportunities and resources, blog posts, all that fun stuff. Honestly, it's very simple. You you don't even have to get on social media. You just create a tool that works for you. And then you advocate wherever is um, most comfortable for you. Or maybe you you step out of your own box a little bit. But um, Clear the List isn't just social um, on social media. It is about going into your community, talking to your friends and family about the bigger conversation, and then asking if they can help support you. So Clear the List is more of an idea than it is um, something tangible, but there, there is a tangible component, obviously. And you mentioned that there's educators from all around the world that are involved. It's not just for American schools. 
Right. So right now the foundation is um, limited to the states. We were exploring um, going international, but the movement itself on social media and in, in anybody's home country or, or town, it is global. We have teachers from Trinidad and Tobago, um, the UK, Canada, um, Puerto Rico, where else? Ireland. We've had people from Ireland. We've had people from the Philippines. There are many educators from all over the world. On the flip side of that, if I am a donor, because I know that all of the Kardashians must listen to Lesson Impossible, <laughs> how, how would I go about finding a project or a list that I felt comfortable donating to? Yeah. So if you want to go to a specific list at this time, um, searching the hashtag on social media is going to be the best way. Believe it or not, Khloe Kardashian was involved in the movement. Um, she, she shared, retweeted some stuff and donated some money um, back in August. So you never know. She could be listening. Um, <laughs> Hi, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually here, we're hoping really soon that on the foundational website, there will be a, a searchable portal. We're working on that. And that will be like fully verified teachers. Um, but if, if someone's making wanting to make a donation, honestly, the best way to do it, there, there's two ways. If you want to find someone specific, you can search the hashtag, check out my Twitter feed or Instagram. I always repost people's projects. Or if you want to support the foundation and help us move forward and and growing and uh, clearing lists through the foundation, then you can just make a simple donation on our website. There's a donate button. It's it's very quick and simple through um, our PayPal account right now, and we are going to be launching those grant programs uh, hopefully like mid July, early August for back to school season. And we have pledges from um, a few different big name brands that are that are putting forth quite a bit of money. So um, it'll help us sustain that way and, and really make a big difference on, on a wide scale. As a teacher, if I wanted to not use a Walmart or a Target or Barnes and Noble and support a more local small business in my community, could I do that as well? Yeah, so um, we have relationships uh, with over like we have over a thousand relationships with different retailers and we have a system in place where local companies or local businesses can go through an onboarding process. There are requirements um, to become onboarded to be in our marketplace, but um, most definitely there are local shops already um, that are, that are in our marketplace that are shoppable and, and are still doing the social component to it. And so if you're looking to get away from big box stores, um, it may be that you get us in connection with the local business that you want to support and we can do our best to go through that onboarding process. Awesome. Well, I really want to thank you so much for spending the time to explain this to me today and to the listeners, but also for the incredible work that you're doing. You went from starting a Facebook group to running a foundation that is just so inspiring and so wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, My life has changed completely in the last year. I never thought I'd be in the educator school supply space, but here I am. And um, it, it's too important not to devote my energy to right now. So um, we're really excited. We're really, really excited about this back to school season. It's going to be even more impactful than last year. And um, 
we just can't wait. So thank you for having me on and letting me tell the story and share it with your listeners. Because whether we're an educator or we're not an educator, we're, we're tied to an educator. We have a relationship somehow or to a student. And so I think it just touches everyone. So there you have it, Courtney Jones on how teachers can galvanize to create change and make sure that every kid has the resources that they need. If you want to explore more featured resources, find out what innovative educators are doing around the world, or get in contact to suggest a future guest, go to LessonImpossible.com. And if you like the podcast, please consider forwarding it to your colleagues or rating and reviewing it on your podcast listening app. This has been Lesson Impossible, and I was your host, Aviva Levin.